Hey, everybody, Saul Marquez with the Outcomes Rocket. I want to welcome you back to this incredible series we're doing on chronic low back pain solutions and new ways of thinking about how to address this very common problem in our country. Today, I'm privileged to have Chip Mobis on the podcast. He is the Vice President of Reimbursement and Market Access for Mainstay Medical. Chip has been in the healthcare industry for 23 years, serving in multiple roles ranging from field sales leadership to leading teams focused on managed markets and health economics at Medtronic, Syncyonics, and Mainstay Medical. Currently, he's focused on driving coverage with Medicare and commercial insurers for a novel neuromodulation device for the medical uh, management of chronic low back pain called Reactivate. If you've been tuning into our series, you've been steeped into it. But if you haven't, make sure you check the show notes of today's podcast for all the previous episodes we've done on this amazing therapy. Previous to Mainstay Medical, CHIP has led the development of LCDs and national payment for Category 3 CPT code, as well as driving commercial insurer coverage for implantable devices. Uh, with that introduction, uh, I want to welcome you to the podcast, Chip. So glad that you could join us today. Hey, thanks, Saul. Appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely. And, and so today, what we're going to do, folks, is give a landscape overview. Chip, Chip's been doing this for quite some time now, and we want to better understand what is the landscape of chronic low back pain? What are some of the existing treatments? What are some of the opportunities we have, the challenges currently faced by clinicians and patients? So Chip, uh, help us understand what challenges are existing today with bringing innovation forward in chronic low back pain. Yeah, thanks, Saul. You know, I'll, I'll focus more on the reimbursement elements as it relates to bringing innovation forward. That's one of the bigger challenges when you're trying to drive a new solution into a very complicated and complex disease state like chronic low back pain. I, I guess I'll start with payers and their understanding of chronic low back pain as a disease. Um, payers in general have a reasonably good idea of the different types of chronic low back pain that are out there. And this is born out of a lot of the policy development that they've done to support earlier uh, treatment options in chronic low back pain that can range from anywhere relating to physical therapy, medication management, um, creating policy that supports certain surgical interventions or even spinal cord stimulation. And uh, the payers are fairly adept at understanding the treatments that are available for chronic low back pain. But in terms of getting new information into this audience, that can be a little bit of a challenge because there is so much out there to be absorbed and getting the message out there into the payer community really requires a lot of groundwork with our clinicians in the marketplace. It requires a lot of publication of data and clinical evidence. And it requires a team approach where folks like myself and my colleagues can go and meet directly with the payer community, including their medical directors, to educate them not only on the ecosystem of chronic low back pain in terms of you know, an array of therapies, but also what is it specifically that we're bringing to the table that fits into a current continuum, and then how is it going to potentially disrupt their current landscape? So we have our work cut out for payers. This is a, a challenging space. Um, and that's really because there's a lot of treatments out there. It's a disease with a lot of different manifestations to it. Um, and frankly, payers are wanting to ensure that 
if a treatment is going to be brought forward, that it's durable and lasting, it's efficacious and it's meaningful to the patient. And it's something that can actually take root in the marketplace and be considered a standard of care somewhere down the line in the future. Uh, so those are the things we're really focused on here at Mainstay Medical in terms of creating that awareness with the payer community and meeting some of their needs. Yeah, thank you for that, Chip. And, you know, one of the things that comes up is, you know, new treatment modalities in an environment where, you know, payer communities work into not introduce as many new things. Can you can you share with us what could be done to to help the payer community get more comfortable with bringing access to innovation like this? Yeah, sure. So it will always start with evidence and they look to evidence as the first stake, if you will, in any type of consideration of adoption. And the evidence has to be robust. It has to have a good scientific rigor behind it um, such that uh, folks within the insurance plan are comfortable expanding access to actually, in some cases, millions of patients. Uh, so the, it always starts with uh, good evidence to support what it is that you're trying to do in terms of an intervention, particularly in chronic low back pain. But you also have to be very clear about who are the patients that you're targeting? Is this the right therapy at the right time in their continuum of care? And is that clinical benefit going to be derived consistently? So those are a lot of the things that Mainstay Medical and my colleagues here have been focused on is evidence generation and patient selection criteria so that the payers do understand, hey, this does work for this group of patients. I can craft and create medical policy that creates clear lines on the road for who is an appropriate candidate for therapy like Reactivate, or perhaps who might not be an appropriate candidate for therapy. And through that work, you ultimately get to an understanding of economic value. Um, I would say that's the third pillar that the, the uh, insurance industry is going to look for is, okay, you've proven to me that you work, you've proven to me that you're safe, and you've proven to me that you can find the right patients and identify them for this treatment. But then what are the trade-offs that are going to occur by enacting this therapy? And those types of things are to say, well, if I'm no longer using injections to palliate this patient's pain because we're going to use restorative neurostimulation to resolve the underlying cause, immediately the payer assumes, okay, what are the economic trade-offs over a period of time that tell me investing in this is going to return some form of economic value back to my stakeholder, which is often an employer group, a patient, or a government. And those are important pieces of healthcare today, as we know economic value is part of the decision-making process. I'll say it's not the sole determinant, but it is one of the larger determinants in whether or not a health plan chooses to go forward and open up broad access to a new therapy like Reactivate. And, and again, that's where a lot of our work is being directed to here at Mainstay Medical is to already establish efficacy and safety and patient selection, but now how do we drive those economic understandings? Yeah, thank you for that, Chip. And I had a chance to 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 talk to uh, one of the physicians and and even a, a, one of your patients that that received the therapy. And I've got to tell you, I was like, like I mean, I just got goosebumps. I was touched by the story. Um, uh, and, and it just like the positive impact that a technology like this could have is, is, is really impressive. Um, and, and really the onus is sort of on the frameworks that you shared. Now what, like talk to us about reactivate, like how does reactivate fit into all of this? 
Yeah, so that educational path is critical, right? Patients should be well-selected and identified, and we've got a, a, a great approach to establishing that understanding. Um, and then helping not only patients, but clinicians and others understand some of these underlying causes of chronic low back pain that we, we now understand. Um, historically, perhaps we didn't have a deep understanding of this, partly because we didn't have a solution for it, uh, but maybe at one point or another, the audience that we're now engaging didn't have a reason to go looking for this understanding. So th those are the first pieces that we have to create, not only with patients and clinicians, but also, the, as I mentioned earlier, the payer community. Um, then in terms of the diagnostic pathway, what has to have happened first before you could get to something like reactivate, that too has to be well understood. You know, this therapy, while it has uh, wonderful outcomes associated with it, and you heard Dr. Gilligan talk about it, ideally we want to ensure patients have exhausted all of the conservative treatment measures that would include physical therapy sessions and good quality physical therapy. Um, have they used different medications to ensure that perhaps they are, are not able to resolve their pains purely with medications? Um, and then maybe patients respond to some other type of minor interventions. If those can actually resolve the underlying issues or the pain that they're, the patient is suffering from, then by all means, those are the first therapies to be engaged in terms of an algorithmic approach to how you get to reactivate. And frankly, that's how the payer community will see it. They wanna see that the lower cost, lower risk interventions have been tried first before you step into something that um, is slightly more invasive and in that this is an active and plantable device. It's a sort of like a pacemaker with a couple of leads that are percutaneously placed in a, a fairly straightforward procedure performed in an outpatient uh, department or an ambulatory surgical center. But we have to show that these patients have exhausted all of their treat conservative treatment options first. And, and that's, again, part of our education path, not only working with patients and our clinicians, but also getting the insurers comfortable with the idea of reactive being, reactivate being a treatment solution. Well, thank you, Chip. And, and, you know, this, this solution is, is very unique, you know, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's because it's, it restores, right? So, so do you want to just for the, for the folks that haven't had a chance to, to listen to the previous interviews, uh, uh, what exactly it does? Yeah, sure. So this is a 14 year journey for this organization in terms of understanding the details of chronic low back pain and some of the underlying contributors to mechanical or axial chronic low back pain. So first we need to talk about what kind of back pain are we focused on? We are focused on back pain that does not have some type of neuropathic component to it. Meaning there's not some neural structure that's being clearly uh, imposed upon by another structure that creates a pain generator, right? Some of those treatments um, have either surgical indications or perhaps a, a spinal cord stimulator might be appropriate for some of those patients. This is not the, the cohort of patients we think Reactivate is most fit for. Um, we are looking that those patients that have this uh, arthrogenic inhibition of their uh, multifidus, which is the primary stabilizer of the lumbar spine, and fundamentally, what this therapy is designed to do is reestablish the neuromuscular control of the lumbar spine, or excuse me, the multifidus muscle, which again stabilizes the lumbar spine. So in essence, 
Once we place those electrodes strategically by a medial branch of the dorsoramus nerve, which innervates the multifidus, we can then start to reawaken those muscles, if you will, and the brain will then know to recruit those muscles for better stabilization of the spine. What the data shows us is after a progressive period of time, we do start to see a reduction in pain, an improvement in function, and an improvement of overall healthcare-related quality of life. And we've now demonstrated the durability of this treatment out to three years uh, from our pivotal study that we started uh, several years ago. So it's an exciting time in terms of identifying how this therapy actually works, who the patients are that can benefit, and then seeing a progressive, consistent improvement in pain over time that appears to be durable and lasting for our patients. Thank you, Chip. I appreciate the 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 uh, succinct summary of what it does. And you know, the the one thing that blew my mind was the seventy one percent percent of patients that that were using opioids didn't have to use it anymore. Like so, that's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. So that that's a an important observation in our clinical work. Um, many of these patients just don't have good treatment options. And many times, unfortunately, they're going to have to resort to some pretty, um, pretty strong narcotics and or opioids that um, are, are required to manage pain. Um, that is really a result of just not having a good treatment solution that fixes the underlying cause of pain. And that's what, frankly, gets us excited and gets us out of bed every day is we know that there are patients out there that need a solution. They don't have to resort to um, therapies that require continual revisiting of their physician does not require the use of opioids and, and heavier drugs that confound a lot of other issues in our lives. Moreover, our clinicians are desperate for treatment options that allow them to put their prescription pad away. They, there is not a clinician out there that is excited about having to use opioids to palliate pain. Um, it is purely as a measure of last resort. Um, now that we bring forward something that has proven to reduce opioid utilization, whether it's the dosing or the actual cessation of use is exciting, um, but it's really about fixing the underlying cause of mechanical chronic low back pain for this small cohort of patients that have lost neuromuscular control of the multifidus is really what gets us excited to get into the marketplace and, and help people better understand all the way from the doctors to the patients. And for my role, it's about educating the insurance industry about what this really means in terms of opportunity. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, Chip. And I'm glad that you're doing this work because it's certainly work that requires attentions to detail. It requires a view of both clinical and economic impacts. And when I, when I think of you know, before COVID was even a thing, the opioid, you know, pandemic was real and it still is real. Uh, it's gotten worse. And so it's exciting to hear uh, that, that this solution can, can be an answer to, to something that a lot of Americans struggle with uh, today. Uh, and, and so thank you for that. You know, the, the benefits are, are, are obviously there you know, give us, give us a summary here. You know, what, 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 what should we be looking forward to, uh, in the, in the coming months and, and, and even years with this technology? As we continue to make progress in commercializing reactivate in the U S market, what we'll find is that 
increasing payer adoption and coverage will ensue. Uh, it's our obligation, not only to the clinical trial investigators and the patients that can benefit from this therapy, to open up that coverage door, which is so challenging in this market. So we know that the payer community will have to ultimately observe the, the data we, we have published um, and have to start to make some changes to certain coverage policies. And no longer will they be able to hold the door shut on innovation that's well supported by the clinical evidence that you heard Dr. Gilligan talk about. But we know there's challenges for the payer community, right? They're They've seen historical treatments come and go. That's one challenge, right? That kind of creates some barriers. Um, also, there's a whole new array of treatments that are coming to them that come in the form of other minimally invasive type of options. And I think really what the payer struggles with is, well, who are the right patients for which therapy and how do I know who to go create policy for? We have to be engaged with that payer community. We have to help them understand who exactly we're talking about who generates the most benefit, and how do we ensure that there's a responsible focus on driving net health outcomes in terms of improving people's lives with these types of therapies. Uh, so it is incumbent on us as Mainstay Medical to go lead in that space and drive payer coverage and payer acceptance and understanding. So I think that's something that we can look forward to in the future. I think another piece of this is the expansion of indications. We've only started to scratch the surface on engaging this therapy in chronic low back pain, but are there other pain conditions potentially that we could resolve the underlying cause for? That's to be determined uh, through our additional clinical work that we need to do. Um, we know currently today Reactivate is not an MRI conditional device. Um, that too is gonna have some payer concern because they do not like paying for devices that get implanted and then they're explanted for reasons that might not be justified. Um, so we know the payer community, as we drive towards MRI conditional labeling with Reactivate, which we hope to see in the future, um, that will expand indications for this therapy. It will expand adoption from the payer community. Um, I think also just a general better understanding of neurostimulation for chronic low back pain um, by the payer community is needed. They, they uh, apply a lot of their basic awareness in the spinal cord stimulation space and using palliative strategies. They, they understand those therapies because frankly, they've been around 20 plus years. We're a disruptor in the market. We're a, a peripheral nerve stimulator with a completely different uh, mechanism of action that supports how our therapy works we'll see better payer understanding yield to better adoption and policy uh, development as that time moves forward. So those are some of the things I, I see coming our way over time. None of this, in my view, happens overnight. It's a continued cadence of evidence generation, awareness campaigns, clinicians weighing in, society stepping up and creating position statements and guidelines that are supportive of appropriate patient selection that get us to the point of more broad adoption across the U.S. market. Thank you for that, Chip. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of innovators in health tech that are in a, you know, similar spot. Where do you find your inspiration to, to stay with the game? You know, because it is, like you said, right, it doesn't happen overnight. Where, where do you get your inspiration for that? It's, I tell you, this, this can be a slog. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've been very fortunate to work with people in this organization that have been here for 10 plus years, like Jason Shiroff, 
JP Hemel's, Diane Burnside. These folks have been a part of this journey of evidence development for this therapy for 10 plus years. It's the patients. When you talk to a patient that's had the opportunity to get access to Reactivate and use it the way that um, it's been designed to use, and you hear about the outcomes with these patients, while some would argue, oh, that's just anecdotal understanding, it really isn't. These are people that were part of our pivotal trial that was part of the FDA approval for this therapy. And our inspiration comes from helping people that truly don't have treatment options and knowing what we've seen other patients do with this therapy. That's our driving force. It is all about the patients. That's the culture of this organization. We're a patient-centric, focused organization led by science. We continue to invest in science to better understand this population and how we can be better helping them. But those are our drivers to all right now. It's really about the patients that we're able to help because it's it's remarkable when you talk to some of these patients. That's amazing, Chip. I, I appreciate you you sharing that and and you know and chatting with a lot of the team uh, from Jason at the helm to to yourself and and some of, and even your customers and patients. Like it is evident to me that that patients are your north star. So I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, and for anybody listening to this, looking for inspiration. Man, I mean, it gets no clearer than <laughs> than what Chip shared. Uh, make patience your North Star. You cannot go wrong with that. Um, Chip, I, I can't thank you enough for for spending time with me today. I certainly I'm a fan of, of, of the technology of the team and the work that you guys are doing. So wishing you guys all the best here in the in the coming months. Saul, thanks so much for the opportunity. It's great to be with you today.